A reading for this Sunday is taken from the book of Acts. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. It's good to see you today and be together today, and, and, and I want to also reiterate what Pastor Max just said. There's a lot of other things you could be doing today. There's a lot of other things that you could be doing on any given weekend and Sunday morning, but the fact that you set aside this time and made it a priority to be here today, God bless you for this, not only what that means for you individually, collectively with your family, but for us as a body of believers, may God bless this time that we spend together in His Word. Amen? Wonderful. Um, I want you to imagine yourself going about your normal everyday life, and suddenly you feel a mild discomfort in your chest, and you start thinking, boy, what, what, what was it that I had for lunch? This, this doesn't feel like indigestion. And then all of a sudden, that mild discomfort begins to move up into your shoulder and down your arm, and you find yourself standing there in disbelief thinking, am I, am I having a heart attack? Well, after a brief period, the, the, the discomfort subsides and, and everything re returns to normal and you find yourself just going, oh, that must have just been nothing. But what if it was something? The question is, do you want to know the truth? Well, so rather than take a chance, you decide to schedule an appointment with your doctor. And he conducts a series of tests which determined that indeed you are at risk for a heart attack. He further prescribed some other additional tests he want to have done and, and then also begins to talk to you about some other medical steps and some significant lifestyle changes that need to be taken in order to improve your health. Now that you know the truth, how do you respond to that truth? Do you adjust your thinking and your way of life accordingly? Or do you just ignore it, deny it, risk it, throw caution to the wind? My friends, in many instances in life, whether or not we seek the truth and how we respond to that truth can be a matter of life and death. Today in God's Word, we meet the Apostle Paul in Acts 17. He and his traveling partner Silas were journeying through present-day Greece, and they were on a mission to share the truth of God's Word concerning Jesus Christ. They came to the port city of Thessalonica, a big, important city in Greece. And in Acts 17, too, we read, 
as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with the Jews there from the Scriptures. Understand, Paul did not just simply teach about the Old Testament. He taught from the Old Testament. And going on in verse 3, we read how he explained and proved that the Christ, in other words, the Messiah, had to suffer and rise from the dead. And then he went on to say, this Jesus that I am proclaiming to you, he is the Christ, the Messiah. Now understand, this was not a message that they had ever heard before. Now, as Jews, they knew of the promise, God's promise from Scripture concerning the Messiah. But they had this idea that the Messiah was going to be some kind of military figure, someone who would come and defeat the Romans, who would put them in their place, and then raise the Jews back up again and make them prominent in their own land. So to have it pointed out to them from the pages of Holy Scripture that everything that they had thought about the Messiah was wrong and that, in fact, the Messiah, by God's plan, was to suffer and die and rise from the dead for the, for the sins of the people, well, that was a whole new idea for them. That, that was something that they had never heard before. Well, I want you to pay attention to the response of the, of the Thessalonians. Because upon learning the truth from the pages of Holy Scripture... Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. Many believed, as Paul had proclaimed from the Scriptures, that Jesus was the promised Messiah, as foretold in Scripture. But that is not how it was for everybody. There were those there, in spite of, of what Paul had shown to them, they refused to believe from God's Word. Many of them did not believe, and some of them, in fact, were quite jealous that there were some who were believing this message from Paul. They did not like the idea that they were becoming Christians. They refused to accept what Paul was explaining and proving from the Scriptures. And so for these Thessalonians, instead of believing, they caused trouble for Paul and Silas. Going on in Acts 17.5, we read how they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials shouting, these men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. So you see, while some of the Thessalonians believed the good news that Paul was proclaiming from Scripture, others did not. It would seem that for some of them, it did not fit into their worldview. For others, it did not line up with either their personal or their spiritual agenda. 
Some found it to be politically incorrect. Others considered this message to be offensive. Sounds an awful lot like the culture in the world in which you and I are living in today, doesn't it? In fact, I want you to consider the response of our culture. My guess is is that most of us have met at one time or another at least one individual who not only knows the Bible, but knows it quite well. They understand what the Bible teaches concerning Jesus, how he has how he went to the cross, died for our sins, rose again, and that by believing in him, you are forgiven of your sins and have the promise of life everlasting. But in spite of what they know and how well they know it, yet they choose to disregard what the Bible teaches. They reject the idea that Jesus is the only way to heaven. They do not like being told that they are sinful and that they need a Savior. They like an eternity that has a heaven, but not an eternity that has a hell. They want to believe the way that they want to believe, to pick and choose what is acceptable to them. And for many, it comes down to they want to believe that if you're just a good person, if you do the best that you can, regardless of what you believe, everything is going to be all right for you. In the end, regardless of whatever uh, religious system or faith path that you follow, all paths lead to heaven. That is what they choose to believe. And that summarizes fairly well how our culture today approaches God and spirituality. Even when confronted with the message from God's word concerning Jesus Christ, they refuse to believe. The claim that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through Him. Well, that is out of alignment with what a lot of people are thinking today. That is not acceptable in today's culture. It is politically incorrect. Our human ego does not like a message like that. And as a result, so many people reject the message of God's word concerning Jesus Christ, and they reject it very strongly, just as some of those did back in the days of Paul in Thessalonica. What about you, my friends? What do you believe concerning Jesus? What do you believe about your perspective of the one true God? And why do you believe it? What is the basis? What is the foundation for what you believe? From what is your faith drawn from? is, Is it founded on the truth or on your personal opinion or public opinion? Is it certain and secure? Can it be trusted? For those of us gathered here today to worship the one true God who revealed himself in the pages of Holy Scripture... The God who went to the cross, who rose from the grave for our forgiveness and salvation. The God who lives by faith in our hearts and in our lives. My assumption is that for the majority of us, if not all of us here, is that we feel rather secure in what we believe and why we believe it. As Jesus himself said, we believe that God's word is truth. But let me ask you this. What can happen to us Christians as we go about our daily, normal, everyday lives and encounter individuals who reject God's Word? 
What happens to us as we are faced uh, with a daily and steady barrage of anti-Christian, anti-biblical, counter-Christian messages and attacks? Well, if you've never thought it through, my guess is it doesn't take much to think it through. We begin to doubt. We begin to ask questions. We begin to wonder whether or not what we believe is really the truth. We begin to have doubts about things that our parents taught us since we were young and our grandparents and generations before us. We wonder whether or not what we learned in Sunday school and confirmation class or what our our pastor has taught us is right or wrong. And pretty soon we find ourselves being drawn into adjusting and adapting our thinking and our way of life, not according to God's word, but according to what the world thinks. And pretty soon we stop even considering the scriptures. We stop studying it. We stop thinking about it. We stop having devotions or Bible study. We stop going to church. And in time, even someone who was once a very strong Christian, firm and sure in their faith, all of a sudden finds their faith becoming weaker and weaker and weaker to where eventually they could very well stop becoming a Christian altogether. All because the Word of God has been eroded away and disappears from their life. Here is where I want you to consider the response of the Bereans today. After leaving Thessalonica, Paul and Silas traveled 50 miles to the west to a little city called Berea. The people there heard the message that Paul was preaching, the very same message that he was preaching in Thessalonica. But look at what the Bereans did. We read in in verse 11, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. There are two things here in these verses that are deserving of our attention and worthy of our embracing. First of all, the Bereans received the message with great eagerness. Yes, it was new news, but it was news that excited them, and especially to hear of the fulfillment of these scriptures in the person of Jesus. They were excited about the message that was proclaimed from God's word. But not only that, secondly, they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Now, you might think that, boy, that might have upset the Apostle Paul to think that the people were checking him out, Uh, that, that, you know, here he was, apostle and a preacher. I mean, shouldn't they have just taken Paul at his word? No. They did what every preacher of God's word would hope for. They spent time in the word to confirm everything that they had heard. Let me say that again. They spent time in the Word to confirm everything they had heard. My friends, it is my hope, my prayer, that the disciples of our Lord Jesus here at Cornerstone Lutheran would embrace and embody the attitude and the behavior of the Bereans, that each and every one of us 
would hear the word of God, first of all, with great eagerness. And secondly, whether on our own or in the company of others, especially in our families, that we would spend time in the Word to confirm everything that we have heard. For the people of Cornerstone Lutheran in central Indiana to become like those Bereans, to be a people whose response to the truth of God's Word is, first of all, I believe and I'm excited about this and I'm not done. There's more I want to learn. That is what this ministry of, it, of our congregation and of its leaders hope for. Get ready, that is not going to be what's accepted out there in culture. To read God's Word, to go to church on the weekend, there are going to be those who will belittle and make little and, and belittle us because we set aside this time and we make it a priority, not only to spend time in worship, but also in the study of God's Word. That is the last thing that our culture will promote. But that is what a disciple of Jesus Christ is and does. Why? Well, I believe that the Apostle Paul answers that question simply and best when he writes in Philippians 3. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. My friends, the sobering possibility exists. Look around this room. Please, I invite you, look around this room with those with whom you're worshiping today. The sobering possibility exists that someone in this room could die before the next time we get together here. The possibility also exists that that someone could be you or me. Faced with that real possibility, are you sure? And I mean, are you absolutely certain of who the one true God is? Are you absolutely certain of your standing before Him? Is the manner in which you are living out your life and basing your life in accordance with the will of God as revealed in His Word. When you or I die, will the one true God welcome you into His eternal presence? Now, here's what scares me. Some of you might be sitting there faced with those questions going, I don't know. I don't know where I stand with God, and I'm, I'm not even sure who He is. And I hope he would take me to be by his side in eternity, but I'm not sure. My friends, I stand here before you today. You can know for sure. And more than anything else, I hope you leave this place today knowing for sure, knowing where you stand before Almighty God. Jesus himself said, if you hold to my teaching." Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the truth is simply this, my friends. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And for that reason, my dear friends, I challenge you, spend time in the Word. 
And this certainty of which we speak and of which we are assured and of which we can go into our lives this week, this certainty will be yours. God grant that to each of us for Jesus' sake. Amen? Amen.